as a director moving into uh, post-production, editing, sound, uh, the finished product, color, all that kind of stuff. It is the worst experience. Um, oh, yeah? <laughs> it is the worst experience. It is the constant uh, of uh, heartache and, and love uh, of outside of production of, oh, my God, this movie we just shot, I hate it. It's, it was so hard and it was so draining. And we're going to go into this long process of multiple cuts and multiple passes that are marginally different and I'm not going to see what I wanted to see. And then all of a sudden you get like the second cut and you're just like, oh my God, this is the greatest film I've ever written around. (laughs) Nerd on. What is everyone? Welcome to Nerd on the Podcast. You didn't need, but you deserve. We're all levels of nerd are welcome. Yeah, you Every are. single one. Uh, today, we're diving into our second part of our Nerds Explain the Film Industry with Tom talking about, uh, about directing and... What? <laughs> I was like, about what? <laughs> about what? You tell us, man. What are you talking about today? About li- breathing. All right. There it is. <laughs> I'm Corey. <laughs> and I'm Josh. <laughs> I'm Tom. <laughs> but really, we're talking about directing and writing. Yes. Yes. Uh, this episode is... Brought to you in part by the members of the Nerd on Nation that is powered by Patreon. 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 The members of the Nerd on Nation, as a member, you do, uh, you support us in uh, making more content, but you get cool shit when you do. You get early access to episodes, you get bonus episodes that nobody else hears, like nobody. The extra, <laughs> like the extra, the minute, capeless extra. Sometimes we do behind the scenes videos, sometimes we do vlogs, and they're just for you. We actually have, I, I've been doing those behind the scenes videos of like outtakes of what we actually, how it yeah. was before we hit yeah. action. So the the you, chaos and mayhem that you, is you would before. enjoy. It's true. Our yeah. antics. The true, true. Uh, so check that out, nerdon.tv backslash Patreon. And also check out our Discord. It's an amazing community that keeps growing. And just, it, there's just so many cool conversations over there. So check it out, nerdon.tv backslash Discord. And an honorable mention to Odyssey, Apogee, and Embody Adi 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 Check them out. Cool companies. Cool companies. Cool programs and products. Check them out. Enhances your entertainment. Yes. But what else, Tom? What what other housekeeping do we have? Well, I'm glad. I'm glad we are in the the spirit. Yeah. In the holiday spirit at this point. Uh, because support for Nerd On is brought to you by Manscaped, Ooh. who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Mm-hmm. And Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Because you know what? We're decking the halls with balls of jolly. <laughs> <laughs> Gifting season is upon us, and we're here to get the hair off of you. Uh, join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for the Yuletide holidays. With... 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NerdOn at manscaped.com. Yeah. Nice. And I said, uh, shout out, you wrote that. Yeah, well, I did. He, well, I mean, he spiced it up. You know, while, while you're salting the driveways, you could be trimming some hedges in your nose. There it is. With these weed whackers in, uh, in, 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 in store. 
Uh, again, it is uh, a nerd on favorite. You know, some people have different preferences of how they like to keep their um, chestnuts roasting. Uh, <laughs> but everyone can say that they want to make sure that there are no bats in the chimney uh, with this weed whacker. Yep. Pine trees aren't the only thing that needs to be cut down. Absolutely. time of the year. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, and there, there's going to be a bunch of new products uh, this holiday season. Check it out. Again, the promo code NerdOn works on everything at manscaped.com. So yep. please Menor use Menorah may burn for eight crazy nights, but you don't want eight crazy hairs coming out of your nose. Yes. So cut them with a lawnmower. Ding. The perfect gift for any holiday. <laughs> where's, the, where's the triangle? Bing. Oh, man, you already used to have that. I know. It's Those, somewhere in one of the drawers. Are, you, you know, we got to bring that back. Yeah. So we out here. We out here. The we first out. part, we put me on the block. We're talking. We were talking about audio. Oh, man, you should have just left it. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> just close the curtains behind For those listening. directing, guys. You got to make sure yeah. the frame looks great. Tom just <laughs> got up, for those listening, to close the curtain behind us because it looks much better on video. But we are putting Tom on blast. On, on blast to talk about writing and directing in this part two of Nerds Explain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to start off. What do you do? No, I feel like I want to turn. I ask my... him that every day at Storyboard. <laughs> I feel like but I want to. What do you do? I feel like I want to turn my chair backwards, pull a catch maker. So you decided you want to direct, huh? Um, <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. So writing and directing is a, a very general, uh, aggrandized. Is that the title? Is that when you like, let's say, website or when you when you uh, meet somebody? Like, do you say I'm a writer director? Is that how you introduce yourself? Uh, I feel like I say director first and foremost. Okay. I, I, I that's what I set out to do. I set out to direct things, and I wanted to, you know, ever since I was a kid, w- I watched like a bunch of films. Films was like my second language, if, you want, if someone wants to say that. Um, they were the third parent in the household, and uh, I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to uh, give an audience the feeling that I got from watching a film and feeling comfort, discomfort, scares and laughs and humors and adventure, everything like that. Um, so directing and uh, directing other people's work and and get, taking their stories and writing and and, and trying to amplify their voices um, and, and interpret it to a visual medium. Um, writing directing uh, kind of happened uh, mainly because I saw there were so many people who were writing their own projects. Um, it made me feel like it was something that was possible to be done. But to me, some of my favorite films are written are directed by people who did not write it. Right? Like, yeah, Robert Zemeckis didn't write Back to the Future. David Fincher did not write Seven. You know, he did. You know, there there are uh, Christopher Nolan did not write uh, uh, Batman Begins. Um, and, and so it, it's things like that where I, I enjoy the craft and the 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 trust between writer and director and then again amongst everyone else during the production period but when i introduce myself i just say i'm a director and typically the reason why i've adopted writer director the moniker is purely because when you're um you know wake making your way and uh you're you're still independent and you're not uh, a household name yet no one's just going to give you a script what so you have to write it yourself to make your own projects you have to make your own projects make so, your own work um yeah what what do i do in that sense yeah what does a to let's peel it back a little bit like in a simplest sense like what does what do you do as I'm, a writer director uh i am i feel like the best way i could think about it i am the second storyteller and aims to be the last storyteller of a certain project. 
Um, uh, but that also means I am a slightly a therapist. I am also a, a team leader. I am decision maker. I am someone who uh, corrals the team uh, to keep a good day going. Um, it, it, it comes down to a, a funny balance. And I think a lot of people uh, tend to um, blur the lines of what a director is responsible for. A lot of people will say like, Every single thing that the film does, the director is responsible for. Again, there are people who uh, strive to be auteurs and such things. And I, I always feel like the only people who really are are like Wes Anderson or, or Hayao Miyazaki because like absolutely everything they touch. But when it comes down to it, you know, you as a director are tr- putting your faith in the craft, the skill, the experience, and also the visions of other people. So, you know, the costume designer, the set, you know, decorators, the the camera, the editing, the all the production teams, everything. You they they came here for you and you have to trust them that they can ascertain what you want to have done. And I mean, it, my my basic uh always kind of analogy of like what does a director do? It's like have Wes Anderson direct Jurassic Park. It's a very different right. movie. Yeah. Um Spielberg to direct seven. You know, it's a very different movie. Um a lot and, more one shotters. Yeah. Um also maybe there's a kid for no reason. Uh, <laughs> but uh and <laughs> uh a director, you know, they have a voice, they have a, a vision, they have a a perspective in the world and what they want to tell the stories with. And so finding the perfect marriage, like an Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I, I try to do the best that I can to make sure that I have something to say and I want something to be interpreted in uh, a story. Sometimes that comes down to just having um, the, the, I guess you would say like the basics. Right. And that's just kind of like, well, what's happening in this story? What's happening in this scene? Who's who's losing something? Who's winning something in this scene? What does this person have to offer? Why are we even here? Like, can we say this in one line? They're asking the questions. I'm asking the questions half the time. No, no, that's what I, what yeah. I mean. The, as a director, the, as oh, a director yeah. the director is asking the questions like to, to distill this project, this thing. And and it, it goes story. it goes both ways. You know, an actor has to ask that question too. You know, sometimes, you know, the, the the cliche line, what's my motivation? The director has to have that answer. Yeah. And uh, the director has to have the storylines for every single character and what they're going to come with and how they can nuance the things. I, for someone like me, I, I tend to like directing actors in a way where um, I create a frame. I say like, hey, we're living in the world of Jumanji. So how would you respond in the world of Jumanji? You wouldn't respond as if you're a chef in John Favreau's Chef because that's a real world. You would respond as if you're on the run and there's giant, you know, spiders chasing after you. So act in that way, you know, um, because again, it's that trust that the people, the actors you've brought on, the crew and all that stuff understand where, what world we're living in for which project we're working yeah. on. So. Uh, you don't want to pull a Schumacher either. I mean, for all the great things he did, that that infamous Val Kilmer, what's my motivation here? You're fucking Batman. That's your motivation. But then there's the other Schumacher thing, which happens in Batman and Robin, where he says, okay, we have what we do. Let's do one more for the for the artist. Sure. And then yeah, yeah. Schwarzenegger says, like, I'm an artist. And then we're like, yeah, you are, Governor. Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, I, I got to ask, um, we met at, at the fruit stand and, and have worked on a few. We've all worked on some projects together here uh, under your directorial talents. Um, my, my question is, what was... Was there a clear and distinct moment where you decided that this was something you wanted to 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 kind of pursue? Was there a certain 
whether it be a director, a movie that you went to see that, that piqued your interest the most that you're like, I want to learn about this. Um, the funny thing, I think, uh, as a kid, you rarely get the kid who's like, I want to be a firefighter. And then the more they learn about it, they're like, I really want to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that sometimes the call of duty, uh, comes upon us when in moments of like, uh, big, uh, life changes or experiences, um, but directing for me in particular, it was more like I wanted to to make movies and I wanted right. and I saw that the person who kind of is in charge and just makes decisions was the director. Um, so I, I really kind of fell in love with that. Like at a very young age, the movie that made me really want to start telling stories and making movies was the movie, the mask, Oh, mm. uh, Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz and everyone else. And I actually remember, remember the day that I watched that. I, I, I had the, the plasticky, VHS, like you had to squeeze. It was like a childproof VHS, yeah. <laughs> you know, container on the sides. Yeah, slide out. I and I had that, and I would watch that over and over and over again. At like maybe five, four to, to seven years old range, I was watching that movie nonstop. Mm. Highly suggestive for a kid like me. But I watched that, and I absolutely loved the blending of reality, which was something that I lived in and I, I felt trapped by. But then also the freedom of cartoons, which I you know got to explore. It's a comic book character, yeah. Um, but you know, he broke the rules. He broke the he broke the the chain of reality. But also, you know, he gets the girl at the end. He's a he's a dorky guy, and there's clearly a, a nice bad guy. guy. But also, there's some magic involved, and you know, like there's a dog, and you know, so you have some movie magic in there where you know there's a, a string of Airbud movies. But then, like, this is a real dog, but he gets to be a crazy dog, right? Too. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff. Also, there's a little bit dark and horror and and scariness, and people are getting shot. Touch and of monsters. everything. Yeah. There's a lot going on, and it was kind of like wow, you can contain that all into one story and have a really fun and enjoyable time. Um, but as I got older, you know, I just completely, you know, I I, I, I don't, uh, I don't dismiss it, but I definitely don't use words of affirmation as much as probably would be healthy for me. But as a kid, I definitely probably used it a lot of like, I want to be a director. I want to be a director. I want to be a director. So I would just do everything I can to study and watch films of directors that I like. So of course, you know, there's always the Titans of Spielberg and 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 Zemeckis. And then later on it became like, all right, let's see some Scorsese. Let's see some Kubrick. Let's see some, you know. You're it, mixing the palette. Yeah. I mean, it, it was more like Not literally the more you, mixing did, you went down the rabbit hole and then you're yeah. ending up with like Kurosawa. And yeah. Like and well, and, and I mean, this is all before even any formal learning and all that stuff. This is all like in high school and junior high. Where it was becoming like, okay, I really want to, I, I like, I like comic books, I like this stuff. So I was like, let me get involved in those things. But comic books and all that stuff were never like, oh, let me see what this art director does. You know, for me, it was more like, okay, cool. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like he's an actor, but you could tell that he's, you know, picking these roles based on what's good for his career. So I was like, is he a director? Do I want to do acting instead? Like, you know, you ask yourselves those questions. Like maybe I was a crazy kid at like 12 asking myself, like, what do I really want to do? Is it directing or is it acting or is it producing? You know, like what's the difference in those plays? But I would, I was just going to say, didn't you, you, you've joked about this in the past, but I I know that there's truth in it, but you, you grew up in an environment where that was an important question to be on your mind. Yeah. Every birthday, my parents was like, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? Every birthday since I was like four years old. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I was just like, yeah, I want to be a director. And they're like, okay. And, uh, because you know, like Asian parents who are immigrants, they obviously want the best for me. And, uh, 
you know, doing something in the movie industry. I think they obviously knew that like you will have a bigger leg up if you know someone in there or your family's in there and they had no connection. So they're like, just do something that's very utilitarian. But, um, you know, I, I definitely like Armageddon started becoming a thing. So Michael Bay, like I would see like all these big time movies and I would see like what was winning, right? Like what was winning the, the social and cultural like conversations and was whatever my parents were really giving me the diet of like, so we would watch like, you know, uh, Anaconda, or we would watch like um, Finding Nemo. So a lot of the Disney stuff would come out, but then like a movie like like Armageddon or Men in Black, and so it's like I got to see a of a, 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 a lot of films, and I was like, okay, what kind of director do I want to be? And then that's when high school started coming in, and I think that's when like Batman Begins hit me, and I was like, I really did not like it when I first watched it, and I remember like realizing like, oh wow, this is really interesting, and then. For some reason, Equilibrium became a thing for me, and then American Psycho became a thing for me. And, and on a Bale so I was gonna say, so Christian Bale, Christian Bale became, became a, a thing, thing for, for you. <laughs> but then, like, and then I got into films, and I have to, you know, give my Sheenist. friend, give my friend credit, Curtis Phelps, who he's like, hey, also watched Donnie Darko, and so I started watching all these like kind of darker, more art housey, art housey indie films, and I was like, I didn't know you could make movies like this. And I'll throw another name out there, uh, can uh. Kimberly Felix now since she's married she told me about the movie called A Chum Scrubber and it's a, not a really well known film no but it has all these A-list actors in this very kind of like almost surrealist avant-garde film and I think most of them did not get paid doing it they all just wanted to be in this very indie film and it's about like this creepy suburbia and someone like dies and it's like all the family's falling apart because that one kid died mm. um, but like Glenn Close is in there like it's all these like huge big actors um, and that really started to make me think like oh what can I do what can I say like there, there's the Girl Next Door, American Pie, all these things are coming out. And I was like, I, you know, I was just really trying to find my way of like, where am I going to sit in all this? Do I get to be one of these like act- directors who get to make like a fun rom-com or like a teenage, you know, uh, college humor uh, funny film? Or do I want to do these action-y films? And do I have the money to do that? And I was just thinking about all those things. Like, man, how is this all going to happen? And I was definitely like, okay, I got to be really good at school, go to a really good college, and uh, then maybe I'll find a job. I, don't, I Now thinking about it, I'm like, how, how did I even think I was going to do this? But I remember watching uh, this YouTube channel called Wung Fu Productions, and they there still go on now. Mm-hmm. And in high school, they, have, they, they, they had a short web series called Just a Nice Guy. And to me, it was very groundbreaking only because it was younger dudes who put stuff on the internet and they made like this narrative story uh, that featured only Asian people. And it was wild. And I read about them and then they were like, yeah, we are from UC San Diego. There's no film department. We're all science majors. And we were like, we want to make films that represent us. And I was like, wow. And so like the soonest I can get my own camcorder, I sort of started doing, you know, the dumb. The gauntlet. Well, I started doing, you know, Windows Movie Maker on uh, yeah. Windows Vista. Way better than Windows 7. I'll tell you that right now because you can… No act- Windows XP. Windows… Well, I, 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 we, we, I didn't get Windows XP at that point. I remember changing our operating system to Windows XP. And I was like, oh, please, God, bring me back to Vista because… And I actually, like, I remember, like, I, I changed my Sony VAIO to a Dell operating system to get Vista back because the editing system was so much better mm-hmm. for me the way I was shooting things. Like… You know, the fun thing about shooting on old camcorders is that you learn a lot of the dumb in-camera tricks of, like, how to cut in particular certain things. Yeah. Or, like, putting a headphone speaker into your speaker of your camera. So, like, I'm recording things, but I'm putting music over it already. So, it's all done 
pre in pre production, uh-huh. not in post. Um, you know, fix it in pre. And I was learning all these things. Like I was also learning like you know how to do all these different types of moves, shooting things in reverse, all that stuff. Like how to make you know tricks of like how to make a collision happen. We can say you're just pulling back. Um, all this stuff with the camcorder, at, you know, in by my sophomore year of high school. And all I want to do is just upload this stuff to my YouTube channel that I was uploading like random skits. Um, I remember I for some reason really like gravitated towards horror films because I Does felt that like still exist YouTube channel. Probably, Probably, I think I might have taken down almost all the videos. Uh, um, dang they're it. very embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> they're very embarrassing. <laughs> they make me cringe so hard. I have a, I have a short that my friends we made in uh, my senior year of high school that we. Somebody found it on VHS recently, and we went, Yeah. This should never see the light of day. I mean, I did a lot of vlogs, and a lot of people liked those, because that was, like, the big YouTube era and all that Gauntlet's stuff. still up there. The Gauntlet Challenge, yes. I was wondering, what are you talking about, Gauntlet? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, the Gauntlet Challenge. But that, yeah. was, that was in college. But this yeah, yeah, was yeah. in high school. We were, like, we would go to, like, the local haunted house. I would, like, go to, like, the state fair. All these things. And I would record, like, little things. And then, like, a lot of people were, like, I want to hear, and I would like do like this kind of like, I don't know, essay about these certain things, like going out to like WonderCon and meeting Jim Lee, these things, or like the trip to like uh, my leadership symposium. And everyone's like, oh, I want to watch this video. Cause I remember I started doing that for like homework assignments where they're like, you have to make like this, you know, two minute pro- uh, like speech about this certain thing. And I was like, oh, I'll just shoot a video about this. Thing. Yeah. And so uh, to answer my question, the mask. The mask. Was the- <laughs> I'm going through the timeline. Yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. the, was the movie that was like the catalyst for, yeah, yeah. for you wanting Four to be a writer-director. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I just want to make sure we have time for, yeah, yeah, for, please, for, please, for please. more of the questions here because I want to dive into not, not necessarily what, what got you into it beyond that. I, I just want to know like when you approach a project, let's say it's a project that you didn't write versus one that you do write. How do you approach the project differently from a director standpoint? How do you pr- uh, uh, approach it from a writer-director standpoint? So, for one that, like, I write, um, uh, it's actually, you know, I always credit writers because without the script, then nothing happens, right? If you don't have a story, then there is no audio engineer. There is no showrunner. There is no crew. There's no actors. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a story. It's written on paper, and that's it. Um, it's, like, a lot of stuff in my room. That's what you're saying. That's the first storyteller. The director is the second. And yeah, and so, yeah. yeah. And um, so, on, on the perspective, of if I'm directing something that I've written, a lot of the time, the process is just, like, I'm just making sure that visually it can be done. So I'm already kind of chopping myself at the knees um, because I'm thinking of what's uh, possible versus what I want to tell. Um, And I'm always constantly thinking of like, okay, if I'm intending to direct this, then I have to be very pragmatic in where I'm going to do it. And typically that always is telltale for one location, fewer crew. Because you also have to think… Like you've already brought up, there's you also have to think about budgetary constraints, and so it's like telling a story. It's like this is a really cool story. How can I tell it mm-hmm. the way that I want to? But that also is within what we have access to. Yeah, and I mean, I think it it, it comes from the fact that like I come from an indie, indie background of like having to produce my own things, and so like the number one thing is also like, I, yeah, do I have the budgetary constraint to do it? But also, do I have the bandwidth to uh, swindle my, the, my my collaborators to do something with me for free? Right, like everyone should be rewarded for their time and talent, um, particularly their talent. If anything. Like the time, they don't care about the time. They care about the ta- the, the 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 talent they have at the disposal being used for you. Um, and so you can pay them five bajillion dollars, or you can pay them five hundred dollars. But are you respecting of them? Um, so when I'm writing a thing, I'm definitely just like, is this a story that I'm going to give to someone else that I'm putting in the back burner just to write it down, or is it something I'm going to make my own? And so the first thing I'm always going to do is kind of like, 
well, what do I want to say? And typically, I'm always looking at like, you know, what do I want the lasting impression to be from the audience after they've watched the film? Do I want them to feel heartbroken? Do I want them to feel like they understand a little bit more of like a lesson that I've learned of like, you don't get the luxury of having closure from a relationship that's ended from the the other person is a, is indeed a luxury. Sometimes you have to build that on your own. Or is it that, you know, life is is messy, but it is worth living. You know, like um, th- those kind of things that I, I, I think about first is overall, like, what do I want to be said and how do I want it to be said? You know, and then I start thinking about who's saying it, what character is saying it, what part of their life are they at and why do they need to say it? Why are the, why, and I start thinking obviously about myself and and how I've learned these things. And it's like, why would this version of me in a different face, in skin tone, maybe different gender, maybe a different city, maybe a different time uh, era, why have they learned what I want them to say and then for the audience to then pick up? And then after that, it's kind of working backwards from the end and then I'm in the beginning and then figuring out the middle. And then once I figure out the middle of like, okay, cool, these are the complications and why this character must go through this trials and tribulation. And I'm like, okay, does this meet? Does this uh, Does this fit? And then after that, I kind of start like just talking about it. And I just start bringing it up to other people so that like, does it sound like a cool story? And I kind of take a note from Chuck Palahniuk of like, if people are just like, yeah, then it's bad. But if people are like, yeah, this reminds me of this or like, oh, I really like that. Or, you know, this reminds me of this moment here. Or it's if like, the, oh, if the conversation's more the converse- in depth. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's definitely hard as a writer, director or anyone who thinks and who wants to direct. It's very hard to measure your own ego of like, don't don't say things. Don't, you know, not bring it to other people because one, you think someone's going to steal it, which is dumb. Two, uh, you think that someone's going to try to change it, which is dumb. Three is uh, having the courage to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're putting yourself vulnerable in a place where it can be put on the chopping block before if it's even born. But the best thing you could do is have a group of people who you trust, who are willing to, one, support you, and also, two, challenge you. And then if you have those people and you talk about your ideas, you bring it into life. It's not just living in your head. You write it out on paper. It lives on paper. And then now it lives in other people's minds. And then once that happens, if people have any issues with it, then you start taking of like, how do I get them to understand what I wanted to say? If you think that this character deserves... Uh, less uh, mercy than I give it, then how can I make sure that they're more likable or more right. uh, uh, vulnerable to the point where it's like, oh yeah, then maybe I should have them more, uh, uh, we want to root for them. Um, but skipping forward to to directing that, it's kind of like I've been thinking about it for so long, uh, like a short film that I did. I worked, I, I thought about it and wrote about it and, and finally made it. And it took like almost like a year and a half and it was like eight minutes long. Uh, so it's a year and a half just to make an eight-minute short. Um, and when you're directing it, you're kind of just like wanting to replay what you thought about uh, in, vi- in visual. So it's kind of like I've been thinking about it. I've been almost dreaming about it. That's kind of like what the writing is like. I'm dreaming about it in my head. Because we're in this part of the process, I talked about this in part one, how I sometimes when I'm working on a film, I'll mix as I go. So when you're writing and you're perfecting a a, a script, are you kind of directing as you go to like you're pre you're pre laying some of your ideas of like oh I could do that there are definitely bad habits you can pick up from writing directing because you will write as if you are directing where I have been given notes on my own writing that I direct when I write and so people say like I do not leave enough for the imagination um, some people really like the fact that I write and it's very descript it's very like they move these seats you know, like the walls are closing in around them. That kind of thing. It's like, oh, I feel that. 
some directors don't want that. And so, mm-hmm. like, having to learn oh, that like language. Stage direction. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so, I mean, the the quote-unquote uh, fake rules of writing is that, like, you're not supposed to write, like, we see, or camera moves this way. Um, those are all things that you, like, we're not supposed to write because you want the director to do that. And that's kind of, like, the trick and the the the, 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 the juggling act of, like, a writer is that they have to write so close but not exactly directing. Right. And then so the writer can be like, at the end, like, I was happy with what I saw because it was very close to what I wrote. And it was interpreted in the way that I liked it to be. Um, but then there are things that you can write and that you that that are also told that you shouldn't write of like, this was the hardest thing for this character. Like, that's not an actionable thing. We don't physically see that in script form. But like, it actually, it helps. Like when... Um, she, it's all guidelines anyway. Well, well it's like it, it can't help the reader be like, oh, this is an important moment. It's like she returns the the flower back to him. This was the hardest thing she's ever had to do. I mean, it's like, oh, this is really big. Yeah. Speaking as an actor, like as an actor, you should read the whole thing, mm-hmm. the whole script, the whole page, whatever it is, like including those parts, those stage directions, uh, because it could, you might miss something that the director the writer intended to be translated that it, that you might not be picking up on like a, as an acting decision to make of like, oh, that's important to them. I mean, or uh, like Tom recently gave me the Logan and mm-hmm. uh, it has a lot of that kind of stuff that isn't shown actually in the movie that is is put in there. I mean, there's even, even, there's even an opening uh, like aside to the mm-hmm. reader that's like, yo, if you think this is the Wolverine we've seen, it's not. If Get you fall off a, a building, they're dead. They don't bounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, not a CGI. All, all of these things are guidelines, right? And whatever you find fits your script the best and helps you write it, do it. And I mean, that's the, the thing, right? Writer-director is different than a writer. A writer has to be a professional in a point of like, they have to meet deadlines. They have to write it so that it's entertaining for people who are above their pay grade. A writer-director gets to write the stuff that they're going to direct. So they get to have their own lingua franca within their own writing versus a writer-director or a writer has to be like, this has to be industry standard and almost sterile to the point, but like the the story just has to be there. Yeah. So I guess my question is then in, in that case, taking that information of how you write and how you approach your uh, scripts when you're directing it, how uh, still staying with the question of how you approach a project when, when you're directing know. someone else's writing, uh, what are the things you look for in a script in that sense as well? Yeah. I was just going to get to that and say, um, when it comes to someone else's work, I want to make sure I get the story right. And I want to make sure at first, so I like, I, I'm the kind of person, and this is the the thing I think with the young directors, they kind of really need to pick up is like your ego goes out the door. You are here to collaborate. You are here to uh, lead as a spearhead, not as a, a chain on a bullet. You know, like you're not here to drag everyone along. You're here to direct everyone along. Um, so like if I get a script and I'm struggling on something like, I don't know why this character is doing this. I don't know what, why we, why we're saying this line two times. Um, I do ask questions of like, well, can we say it this way? You know, like what kind of world are you wanting? Because this is what I'm going to bring to the table. Like if you want to say you want to be like, you know, you want to be like an Edgar Wright character. Then I was like, okay, cool. But then that means your character has to be likable. So if your character is not likable, then you're going to have a lot of problems with all these jokes. Um, or, you know, like, and that's the thing where like I come in and I don't really, I, I come off as like someone who doesn't have a lot of, you know, humor in my directing and in my, you know, film collection but like it's because I want to just take the storytelling very seriously and I want to give the freedom to the actors to live into those characters but I want to make sure that the scene is relevant we can have funny talking head jokes Mm -hmm. all the time but like if the scene is impertinent like 
every scene should have a purpose. But then if the jokes that live out like within that scene and they lead on to the next scene, I'm totally fine. That's all game. That makes the viewing experience better. That makes the reading experience better. But we have to have a reason why we're here. Yeah. Um, and I think that's uh, how I kind of come when I look at other people's writing is kind of like, let me make sure that you, I, I know what you want in particular. And can I do that? Um, and are there going to be liberties that the writer is willing to let go of? Because kind of the trust that happens with the writer and director is that the director is going to try their best to interpret it the way that they can and tell the story, whether that is in wider shots, closer shots, tracking shots, or in different lightings that's not so, you know, that has a better, you know, higher contrast. And it goes to the editor. And or, or, the, yeah. or even it's like, okay, cool, we don't need that. We're going to do quick cuts, blah, blah, blah. Like, the director does have to keep those things in mind to keep the idea of, like, the momentum and how it flows. As long as the writer is, like, saying, like, cool, this is what I want. This is how the story is being told. It's like, cool. If the writer says, like, this is a frenetic moment and crazy and it's going to have quick banter, it's like, okay, the director kind of knows, like, how they want to do it. I'm... I'm- I didn't get to say this in part one when we were talking about audio, but part of the process that I'm liking it to is that when somebody comes to me about a project and they, one of the things that I ask for is initial thoughts Mm -hmm. of like talking to them about like, what's the feel here? Are there specific things that you're like, you want to be translated into? And it sounds like that's kind of what you're, you're looking to, when you're directing somebody else's thing, you're looking to understand it so that you're not only yeah, you're coming to it as an artist, but you're also like, somebody wrote this. This is their artistry. Yeah. And it's like, I want to represent their artistry in my artistry so that it's a collaboration. Yeah. Like we and said. I mean, there's something that could be said about just like, you know, you can get so, you can get really, really commercial about it and get really, really like, hey, it's by the numbers. We know we're doing. Go to your uh, A, go to your, you know, first position, second position, you know, move to the camera at one, two, and three, all this stuff. And then it becomes very sterile where it's just like, cool, we're just going through the motions. But then if we change it, we move the camera, we put it into another perspective, then it's like, cool, the story's now changing. You know, like instead of being, you know, face onto these two characters, we're going to be over the shoulder of this one character the entire time looking at another character. So we're we're on this other character's side. And so... Or as Fincher does, when he likes to do these high corner shots where you show the person's apartment and their their state of living and you go, oh, I know who they are now. Yeah. Um, and you could do that in, you know, in other cutaways where they're talking, but then like... We're looking at other things in the house. So it kind of explains that, you know, if someone says like, yeah, we don't, you know, it's like, you know, dad has never come back ever since then. And then we see a picture of, you know, the girl and the mom and the dad. And then you're like, okay, then the mom's dead, you know, something like that. And then you don't know why the mom's dead and you find out that she, the daughter killed her or something like that. So yeah. there's things that you can do to kind of frame the audience's head. And uh, I always just kind of think of things that the writer may have thought about. And maybe I asked them like sometimes like, you know, did you have an idea of what you wanted in particular? Because I try to be very, like, collaborative to make sure that everyone feels like I'm not stomping all over them. Because even though, like, I'm writer-director, like, I think the idea and pretentiousness of, like, my vision and my perspective goes down the drain when no one wants to work with you. Um, and I think kind of the most important thing as a director is to make sure that everyone feels like they're being fulfilled. Um, and that was kind of the thing that, uh, going back to the very first question of, like, when did I realize I wanted to direct— it was one of the first few times I started directing um, in high school. I started doing these like little cover music video sh- things. Like Linga Park doesn't have a music video for this song. Let's do a m- version of the music video. And I started directing people. And it was kind of like, wow, I'm kind of coordinating things. And I'm, I'm getting to tell a story because I hated music videos. that didn't have a story. And so like one of them was, was like about uh, some girl who didn't get like, who got like dumped on Valentine's Day or something like that. And I was like, let me still, let's tell the story. And then we did it. And it was fun. And then like, 
I will definitely say like as a young dude, I got to be like to a pretty girl. Like, do you want to be in a music video? And you know, like that was I'm the, like making a music video. And, and that was kind of fun. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you could tell a story and all this. So I was, Josh and I play music. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and I, and, and I only put myself in it because I, no one else wanted to act. And I was like, oh, I don't want to act either. But like that really got me. It's like, oh, I, I, I can assemble it. I made a thing. And I'm also, I'm again, I'm replaying what I envisioned in my mind. And I got to put the camera wherever I wanted to. I didn't know any of the, the, the rules, but learning more about it really kind of, again, that's why I say it's the kind of the miracle thing. It's like, as a kid, I was like, I want to direct. I want to direct. And then as I get, got older and kept learning about it, I was just like, I really like this. I really love this. Thank God. Like I throw a rock in the darkness and something I really loved to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm fortunate enough now that people that I've met because of Nerd On want to work with me more. So I'm just like, thank thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I know? mean, I, uh, I, I learned this in an acting class, but it's applied through everything. Uh, an acting teacher once said, just be a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Just when you like, when you audition, when you interview, or when you're meeting somebody, you're not actually auditioning or meeting for the thing that you're you're doing it for. You're there to see if you guys can work together for six months, a year. Who knows how long this relationship will keep going, but it's just like being a collaborative spirit, being a good dude, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. That it, it sound, I mean, I've worked with you uh, from an actor standpoint and from a post production standpoint, and you're a good dude, man. I, I in we can share this a little bit again without name dropping or anything like that. It's interesting to think, and it sucks because the whole idea of Hollywood nepotism is a very real thing. But man, sometimes I have definitely been able to pick out people of like, you're not where I need you to be in terms of skill set yet. And I haven't even had you audition. And I just know that you're not there. And there's a level of like, I can't spend six hours of the day directing you to help you along with these lines or with this performance where there are people who I know that I can like, I have never worked with them. It's like, oh, they're going to be good. They're going to be fine. And, uh, you know, luckily with everyone that I've worked with in Storyboard, like we've gotten to work with each other in such a, a capacity that like, even though they're used to playing one character, they've been very flexible and chameleon-like to go into other kind of characters and other depths with things that I, like in, in my own writing and directing projects, you know, that are, that are not uh, sketch, but they do are part of the dramedy. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question that you asked me oh. without, without dropping names. <laughs> uh, what was, what has been as... I'm going to focus on directing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has been your best experience and least least best, least favorite experience as directing? Uh, best. And you guys have been in both of them. Um, but I mean, I mean, I have to think. I'm, gonna try, I'm trying to be, is there any more vari- variables? I mean, so this is the thing. I am like Wes Craven in a way where I think every film I've done prior to the one I'm doing now is shit. Um, and so... Uh, one film, very West Craven. Yeah, one film that I was working on. It was like to me, it was like this is the culmination of my experiences here in LA at that at that time, and uh, I am uh, uh, we we were able to assemble a crew, a very familiar crew that I worked with, and um, got the producers, and I got to be like in a one location bar. That's all I'm going to say, and uh, it was really nice. Like 
It was a very I know that reference. Yeah, it was very fast, quick uh, shoot, and everyone knew what they wanted to do. Uh, everyone knew where they were at. It, it felt almost as close as professionals I can make it for the budget that we had and for everything that was going on. All the actors had their own holding stages. We had all the crafty everything. It was just it was great. And I ended up bringing a friend up who had left the film industry to 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 be the director of photography one last time, and uh, it, it was great because I got to just really. Where one hat. I didn't have to AD. I didn't have to produce. I didn't have to do any oh, of that man, stuff. Yeah. And I just got to sit in a director's chair and hold a monitor or just look at the actors and be like, okay, go. And uh, it was fun. And when I wanted to do producerial stuff, like the producer's like, Tom, go away. I was like, thank you. That's you awesome. right. That's awesome. You, you, when you write, you write. Um, <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is, oh, I'm living. Uh, uh, that film compared to the first film I did here in LA, like, the first one I ever did was way more received, was way like better received. Um, the worst film I ever worked on, uh, I mean, as, as a director, okay, as a director, um, the worst experience I ever had was one that went all around LA. It was pulling a lot of favors. Um, it took a huge chunk out of my own personal pro- uh, pocket. And the reason that I would say that characterized why it was a really terrible experience is because there was a lot of when you jump into a project. It is a leap of faith. It is like, can I trust these people? Uh, especially when you're in the indie world, you're you're not going to get compensated. Um, but are you going to feel fulfilled at the end of it? Are you going to feel like, cool, I'm going to be okay with these dumb film festival awards that don't mean anything um, and walk away happy? Um, and this is one of those, like, did we feel like this was going to pan out in a good way? Uh, maybe at the first few moments, yes. But then later on, it just kind of became this like crappy experience where there was a lot of discord because you had people who hadn't worked with each other before. You had some people who'd worked with each other and now there's new elements that are kind of changing the dynamic. And that's kind of the thing as a director for me, like I really adore like a a Clint Eastwood set, which is kind of like Tom likes Nazi rule because he likes it quiet. If you're If you're working, there's no need to talk. Also, and, it's nine to five. Yeah. Um, and there's something really nice to me. It's nice to think about where it's like, yeah, there's not all this chaos and clutter and noise that I had to step out of the room just to have a conversation where it's like, okay, cool. Everyone's quiet and we all could speak quietly and everyone knows what they're doing. This here was constantly yelling and screaming left and right of like, what's happening? Here's that. And there's a lot of foot being feet being stepped on of like the writer not wanting to let go of the script in order for me to direct it. And it sounds like there's not a good, we've, We've brought up this a few times so far in just part one and part two is that collaboration is so mm-hmm. important. And the, the the teamwork aspect of filmmaking is incredibly It's got to be a give and take. I mean, yeah. it, that's the thing where like if I'm writing by myself, right, and another director wants to take it, it's like, cool, I wrote it, goodbye. That's it. I don't expect anything more from that. I don't expect you to give me a phone call or you to ask me if you, ha- if you understand the story. When I write, write it and send it off, I'm done. Like, that's how a professional workplace is. It is a privilege to have the director say, come to set. Hey, I want to talk to you more about this. I want to, I want to work on the script with you. The director could say, bye-bye, you know, and you're yeah. fine. But, you know, like this, and this is one of, one of the cases where I was like, you know, let's work together on this. Let's be more collaborative of this. But now if I could change anything about it, I would, I would have been a little bit more strong arm of like, this is going to be a close set. You know, like, and that's kind of the thing where I, if I can have that my way most of the time for closed sets, it's really nice. I only have, I mean, especially now and during COVID, like 
having closed sets is really wonderful because there is not so much people just watching eating sandwiches and and having conversations and maybe a phone goes off or something or a door's opening because someone has to use a restroom but it's like everyone get the hell out let me just work with the actors and directors uh, let me work with the actors and the camera and we can actually show a great performance of what we're trying to do mm-hmm. um so yeah worst yeah. and best there you go there you have it um I guess moving into the kind of, as a director, we kind of understand how you are on set, making sure everyone's happy, working with certain people, making sure the actors, uh, I mean, both of us having been actors under your directorial um, care, uh, very, very um, attentive to what we need, what we're we're going through, and very communicative on all that. Um, I want to know from a, a, a post standpoint, what does that look like for you as a director moving into uh, post-production, editing, sound, uh, the finished product, color, all that kind of stuff. It is the worst experience. Um, oh, yeah? <laughs> it is the worst experience. It is the constant uh, of uh, heartache and and love uh, of outside of production of, oh, my God, this movie we just shot, I hate it. It's It was so hard and it was so draining. And we're going to go into this long process of, multiple cuts and multiple passes that are marginally different and I'm not going to see what I wanted to see. And then all of a sudden you get like the second cut and you're just like, oh my God, this is the greatest film I've ever written around. <laughs> and, then, and then you start getting to color and you're like, oh, I fucking, I hate this movie. This is the worst movie I've ever made in my life. And then all of a sudden you get the sound you're like, oh, this is the greatest movie of all time. And then again, you don't know exactly what's going to happen when you change values and you grade it in certain ways and you like take away some shadows and you're like, Oh my god, we're, we're we're getting really cool. We're we're doing some cool like stuff. Like maybe every time we go into this scene, it gets darker, and then we're showing like the descent of these characters. And you're like, oh yeah, we we could do that because that is happening. It's being part of the visual storytelling process, right? Like you could read a script and be like, that's a book, but if you tell that visually and be like, oh, let's change the like. You can literally in post production, you could do a lot. You could change literal light directions if you wanted to. Um, and I think that's just like a, a really cool thing that you can do. In post production, but um, for me, it's most of the same way. Exactly how I treat other actors or other department heads of like, hey, this is the idea. This is what I want. This is the copy of the script. You, we talked about this. We know the kind of scope of this. You know where it's going to go. And when it comes to composers or uh, you know audio uh, post production audio, comes to editing, comes to color, you know, I'll I'll definitely use a lot of references. And that's kind of the the trick that I find is. Um, using these shorthands, right? And that's why nepotism exists is because when you work with the same crew, you can have shorthands and say like, hey, can we make it more uh, traffic looking? Can we make it more uh, born identity looking? Can we make, you know, you have these certain things that you're like, oh, it has reference points. And so a lot of the times- Crush blacks and uh, highlights, and, good and, contrast. And, and a lot of contrast, <laughs> maybe. Um, and, and, and those Tom's are- Tom's color preferences, yeah, if you guys I, aren't familiar with it. I, I, like, I like true black and high contrast. Um, color, I, it could be anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, having those shorthands are great. But the same way I treat everyone that technically would be working on this project, like I want to make sure that I can do everything I can to make sure that they feel like they have all the tools at their disposal, right? Like when you don't like give a slate for something and you give it to an editor, like you just chop them at their knees, right? If you if you don't give a, an audio engineer like the stems, you chop them at their knees. They have to find all those things, all this stuff. You don't have a good file convention nor numbering format. You gave everyone a headache, right? What does A-0394AB mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that doesn't mean it. Day one, day two doesn't mean anything to them. They need, you know, the locations. They need the you know, the actor and the, you know, all that stuff. And and 
And also, like, that's the same thing with my uh, head hurt. Just you saying that. <laughs> the same thing, like, that, that it goes. It goes with everything, like doing credits. Like, oh, I don't know. We didn't have a call sheet. It's like, what, guys? And so, like, there, there, there are there is so many things that you can do in the beginning. That's so much harder, but it will save you later. It is drunk you taking care of hungover you. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. You know. I was like at the end of a project. Uh, I don't know if you have this experience, but when I'm working on a film. And sometimes I get the the privilege of while I'm working on it, they're like, "Oh, we have a color." I you always have to get the the locked version, but when I get the 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 final cut and I'm doing my work to it, and then they're like, "Ooh, we have a colored version," and I get to put my sound on the like, "This is the final cut, baby," and you experience final, and final. Then, this is the final, final, final again, and you play it back, and you're like. It's a fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> I made a movie. And then they're like, yeah. this is cool. And they're like, we, all right, one more color. Can, <sighs> can we add a sound effect here? Final, 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 final. Yeah. Final, <laughs> final. I swear this is the this is it. This is the end of this. And then you get to see it. Um, you get to see it on like a screen. I think that's it, it's always fun to see all like, man, this is like the 14th cut of this. I'm like, my God. Like, does this really need to be 14? The festival see final. They see final. They see final. I'll see. I'll I'll be honest with you. One of the coolest things was seeing some of our projects on a movie theater screen. Like that. That's a that's a cool feeling to see. No, regardless how we feel about the finished product, getting to see Mm -hmm. something you've made up on the screen there is 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 something special that not everyone gets to. At least not the people who didn't pay the admission fee for the festival, Mm -hmm. but not everyone gets to experience right. Um. So I think that's that's pretty neat. Um. I want to ask you one of the questions you asked. Same thing. Lists here, Tom. Uh, we all love lists. What are what is like the top five things that if if you were to someone were to come to you and say, "Hey, I, I want to start learning about directing or writing," um, and, and maybe you can do three for each or five for each, what would what would be some some bits of advice for these are the things you should start looking out for? Study, watch films. These are the things you start looking out for directing and writing wise. Writing, um, read scripts. Read scripts, read books. Um, we all have stories in ourselves. We all have a story to say. Um, every story is valid, but you need to find the language to say it. Whether that's making your own language, you still need to learn the actual language. Um, and that means like knowing how to format, knowing how to, you can't just, you want, I want you to think that you could just go out and write it, but it really helps if you start really understanding page count and pacing of the page count. And then also how does, how does, action lines look like and thinking of you getting all our PA scripts and going my god this is a fucking mess (laughs) I mean and that's the thing it's just like making it just write yeah making it enjoyable to read that everyone can read it and also you're not shuffling through four pages of just like notes yeah um uh, I was based on what you just said Bonnie is a writer and she can look at a script and go yeah that's nine minutes yeah and be right (laughs) um there, there there are many applications so find them and use them my favorite one's Highland 2 it's free John August who is a writer literally developed this app use those apps learn how to use those apps it's fantastic um, you can do Final Draft you can do Writers Do It you can do Celtics you can do whatever the heck you want to do but just learn how to use those things because that will help you uh, learn shorthand so it will help you learn how to you know crunch that out writing as well third thing um, dedicate the time um, you dedicate time to eat, you dedicate time to sleep, you dedicate time to touch yourself or touch your lover, dedicate the time to actually get your craft done. 
I don't uh, dedicate time to sleep, but I should. Um, and uh, it's one of those things, like, if you want to do be professionally writing, you are on deadlines. It is not, oh, based on the passion and my muse. It's, no, you're on deadline. You got to write this thing now. You got to get four pages in, and you have to send it tomorrow. Um, that's, that's the discipline. You got to get that down. Whether it's on physical, you're handwriting yourself, or you're typing it down in note form. You have to start writing, 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 writing. Writing is the only way to get better at writing is to write it. Um, fourth thing. I would say is um, watch how those scripts that you've read now and how they translate into film. Mm -hmm. See what actually matters and see what doesn't matter. Um, and then the last thing I would say with writing is look at what those scripts have done and changed. But the thing is, I want you to reference the things that mattered to you the most that didn't that that weren't accentuated in the in the film. Um, so like if you are looking at leaves rustling and footsteps crunching on them, but then you just, but then the opening shot is some guy just walking, obviously that didn't matter. They yeah. didn't do a low end shot. So, you know, realizing what do you want accentuated when you write down should be accentuated, but also that's building your own language and how you write. And also you should be writing in your, in your, in the form that you're writing. So if you're writing a noir, there better be a Venetian blinds. There'd be some cigarettes on the ground. Mm -hmm. Like it, you have to understand the <laughs> genres that you're in. If you're in a bland, baseless genre, then it's going to sound bland and baseless. It's going to be boring. Um, things have to be happening. Um, for directing, um, throw your ego out the window. Throw your ego out the window. It's, it's, it's not about you. It is about you. You're an artist and you want to be all mm, Tim Burton bullshit. Um, it's about you. It's about you. But no one what needs to… What did Tim Burton do? <laughs> I don't know. Just he never read. He never read a comic book before he went to Batman. Oh, okay. Um, but like it, you, you, you. No one needs to know. It's about you. Fuck you. No one cares. Yeah. It's about everyone caring about this story that you're telling. Right. You have to then earn their trust. Uh, second thing, earn your keep. Fucking the people that are around you are going to talk about it. So the only way people want to work with you is if you genuinely make it worth their while. So if you're a piece of shit director who uh, doesn't give a damn and thinks things are beneath you, uh, you're going to lose friends very quickly and all those collaborators. Unless your fucking name is, I don't know, something Spielberg and then everyone's going to be, oh, we'll just give them a movie for no reason, right? Like if you're going to make it out on your own and you want to tell stories, work really hard. Learn as much as you can how to do it all by yourself. And then all of a sudden when you hate doing everything by yourself, then find collaborators. <laughs> Third thing about directing. Um, find out what kind of director you want to be. Like, do you want to do serious dialogue films? Like, or do you want to do the uh, silent films that, like, you don't have to have a lot of uh, expression in, but it's just mainly a lot of, like, cool angles and concepts. You know, are you more of a character-driven person and you want to go into TV? Or are you more of a plot, concept, story person and that's into film? Um, directing is... Uh, a very vast field. It changes based on what medium you're in. If you're music video directing or if you're TV show directing, uh, TV show directing, you're hardly directing. It's very different when you go into different places, but you're always going to be worrying about performances if you're working with people. And then second is going to be with camera because again, you can replace cameras. You can't replace the people. Um, so really figure out what kind of director you want to be. Um, fourth thing with directing Study the masters. Again, study the masters. Not their films particularly. Yes, you want to watch their films, but you want to understand their mindsets. You want to understand their work of, their body of work. So if you want to be like, 
I wonder why Lana Wachowski is doing Matrix 4. I thought we said all we need to say with it there. I was like, I don't know. What do you think a transgender person would want to say in a postmodern world after a trilogy franchise, you know, in a, in a mm-hmm. time where VR uh, headsets are a reality? You know, like what more can we say? So like learn what directors are having to say. Learn what Guillermo del Toro wants to say with monsters. Um, those are important things. You could watch all their movies and then you're not actually extrapolating any meaning. So learn what the directors actually care about because that will teach you how to interpret what you care about into your stories. Um, And the fifth and last thing I'd say is um, study the way and then make your own way. It's, it it, it proves very um, helpful that you utilize and you take from what you like. I always say like, I want to use this as my, my Susan Cain shot, or I want to use this as my Nolan shot, shot, or I want to use this as my, you know, Find out who you're taking from because then it expands your vocabulary of what the film language is. And even if the actors and the camera people don't know that, you have to have those answers and say that to them and say like, but you have to break it down in in a layman's term, in a, in a human form. Yeah, it's it's that that concept. And I think what Tom is basically saying in, in so many words, which I've had this advice thrown at me a few different times is to watch the movies that you like and figure out why you like them. Don't just go, yeah, I like that movie. Well, why? Why do I like this director? Why do I like, specifically for me, I wanted to know why I, li- I liked Fincher so much. So I started watching every Fincher film, not going, I just watched this because I like it, but watching it with the intention to figure out, okay, well, why do I, what what, what do I feel? Why do I feel it? And how is it being done? I want to do a, one amendment for yes. a, a sixth thing for directing. Yeah. People are your resource. Mm-hmm. It's not the money. It's not the technology. It's people. If you can't, Hack it as someone who gets along with your actors or your crew, then you can't hack it at all. Like you are not worth anything because at the end of the day, those are the, that's your backbone. Like no director is any good without their their actor. Corey made a slight joke about the Joker. That movie is nothing without Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, Todd Phillips can direct everything he can. It's nothing without Joaquin Phoenix. And there's several movies that are like that. So like or hand, there's deck there's bountiful amount of movies that are like that. So if you don't have your actors, don't have your crew behind your back are willing to work for you, it's because you're probably a piece of shit. And you <laughs> need to you need to get better at like making people feel like they want to do that fourth take of that of that two. You are the scene. end all be all to the morale and that you're sailing the ship. Yeah. You may not be saying the pace because the AD and the producer have set set the schedules, but like on the day of you set the emotional pace. Like if you're late. And you're two minutes late. You cost a hundred people two minutes of their time. That's two hundred minutes. So, like, those are the very important things that you need to realize. That, like, yes, you are be the director. Consider it. Yeah, be considerate. Uh, like, you know, you're the ones who you know you can cut the line and get more food. You can tell everyone when to cut. You can move on. You could be like, I don't want that shot. Or you could be like, maybe I can I can make this so that everyone wins. And that is like the true challenge. Leading by example, too. Yeah. Like the true challenge is like making sure that everyone feels like they won. And, you know, that joke of, you know, do one for the actors, do one for the camera crew. Like if, if someone, if we have the time, it's worth it to, to try something new and make sure that everyone feels like they got a chance to actually do what they love because you collaborate. Are, you, yeah. Collaborate. You are the champion of love in, in some ways. Message. <laughs> yeah. Uh you you have to make sure that everyone loves the thing and they get more invested and it becomes their film too. So they're going to come early. They're going to work really hard. They're going to do, do that extra time to go over lines and stuff like that, not because it's just a paycheck. You know, that's why mm-hmm. you have a bunch of great actors who phone it in for certain movies. 
Yeah. Tom, this has been great, man. I can't wait for a part two. I, f- I feel like there's definitely just like this now. How Josh now, felt now I, know, I was his. like, man, there's so much You're I could like, go Oh, man, I can yeah, say yeah, yeah. more. Yeah. Like, we are, say. We're hitting that but hour mark. What yeah, I we do, got a part two. What I do want to say is that there's, I mean, as we continue to explain the film industry, there's, there's a lot of through lines. There's a lot of things that apply one place that apply the other. Yeah. You know? And it's, 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 it, yeah, it's I, very cool to see. Yeah, and just like with part one, I want to invite the audience and listeners. Well, rather than the you, film industry, the, just the uh, creative arts industry as a whole. So yeah. I think we're going to expand upon yeah. to more things than just film. Um, I want to invite the audience and the listeners, the viewers, to ask us questions that they want to hear from our perspective. Again, hearing this as someone who has never physically been paid for any directorial work, but has you know moved ways, studied production and theory. and, and Who's re- paid to do it. Was I paid to do it? You were. You've paid. To oh, do I've that. paid to do it. Yeah, I've yeah. paid people to do it. Uh, and 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 uh, you know, to understand the craft of like when to move in on a shot, when to do a close up, when to do a a wide angle, when to do a shot reverse shot, or when to do a one take. The mise en scène. Yes. <laughs> like, how do you derive that meaning? Like, get actually into the craft. I would love to talk about those things, at least from my own perspective. And, you know, take in for certain films of like, this is what you should learn from that film and that film and that film. And this is how you do a one or that's not how you do a one. Send those questions in. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, it's, this is such a funny way to do this, but uh, this has happened to me. Uh, we stream on Twitch mm-hmm. and we all individually stream on different days. And I mean, I've had people pop into my, into my chat and ask me questions about audio, about acting, about stuff. And it's just like, it's a, that's another thing. That I mean, it, there's so many ways to get in contact with us, and I'm gonna seg you into uh, singing us out. Yeah. Uh, one of those ways is the discords. Check out that discord, nerdon.tv/discord. Uh, there, there are so many channels in there that you can. There's general channels, personal channels. You know, reach out. I mean, the, those are fun ways to keep the conversation going. If you are a member of the Nerdon Nation, uh, you do get secret channels that you can. Uh, get access to that you have direct lines to us uh, as hosts and with other members of the Nerd On Nation. Um, and at the same time, you get other bonuses like uh, early access, bonus episodes, um, all sorts of really fun stuff. And you get to support us. We get to keep doing this, uh, this crazy thing that we love doing, uh, and we get to make it better and better. So just keep on living. Keep on <laughs> just living. Just living. Just living. He's out uh. there living, man. <laughs> out there living. <laughs> uh, so check that out. Uh, nerdon.tv backslash Patreon. Do share us with your friends, your family. Rate and review us. All of that stuff really does matter, and it j- does really help us grow. Yeah. Uh, check out our website, nerdon.tv. And one last shout-out to Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NERDON. Check it out. It really works. When yeah. I use it, I feel like I'm not wearing hockey pants. Ah. Oh. Because I'm so Catch trimmed. Catchphrase, callback. So, there it is. You're so trimmed? Yeah. Yeah. You're so trimmed. <laughs> anyway, that's the episode. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you're on YouTube. You know the drill. As always, Nerd on. Ending broadcast.